Hey there, he's, she's, they's, and we's. You're listening to another episode of Let's Talk Life podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to Let's Talk Life on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram. Please share our podcast with your friends, send us a comment, or forward pictures of your dogs. We love it all. Now, without further ado, I'm Angela. And I'm Jackie. And you're listening to Let's Talk Life podcast. Today, Angela and I are reckoning with the tragic, chronic reality of police brutality. It's a heavy one, folks. But we talk about why we're doing it, our obligation to do so, and end up almost even on a positive note. I know. I can't believe it either. I just want to explain why we're talking about this okay yeah like because it's so random to just be two girls who uh, pardon me two god dang young adult <laughs> women oh my god Take what is wrong shirt. with me why Take am I infantilizing myself though <laughs> um it's probably random to just be two women who are want people who want to talk about this who certainly don't seem to have any right relation to law enforcement but I think we have we do okay we we know a lot of people we we have relationships right with with law enforcement and so that I think is and in combination obviously with the current climate in our country I guess and just the absolutely mind numbing traumatizing despicable awful reality of police brutality and just like violence every day on the news in the paper on social media, seeing how that affects the people you love, your friends, your family, the Black people that you love in your life, Mm -hmm. the Black people that you know, any people, that this is our reality. And meanwhile, you know, we, we discussed how we came of age at a time where I definitely feel like we were raised with the concept of color. Color doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. That was exactly what people wanted us to like. That was where we were in like kindergarten. (laughs) I could feel it amping up, you know, after that, that, you know, people really wanted to push racial unity I think especially in those years after 9-11 when the reaction toward Arab Americans became also so just so violent Mm -hmm. and it created a very embarrassing you know rampant rise in discrimination that just added to the ugliness of what was already happening to our country at that time. It just put salt in the wound to distort, you know, and, and target everyone for what 
the terrible thing that happened that day. And I, I, yeah, I think after that's why we elected Obama. I think that's collectively why a lot of Americans were attracted to him. And we, it was, it was sort of like, we want to overcome, you know, our racial, our racial past, you know, we want to be one, we're all one people, you know, color means nothing, color means nothing. We were, we're past it, we're past it. If we didn't acknowledge it, right, it couldn't cause problems anymore, couldn't be this ugly thing. We could call it the past. We could call it, oh no, it was those guys. Like, and, let, and let's not worry about it. Let's not even talk about it. Like we're past it. Donald Trump made people analyze race in this country because most people were shocked he could be elected or some people mm-hmm. were shocked he could be elected and it exposed all these nasty and very ever present they were always there it just changed the shadowing it really like exposed certain things the trump era created the right environment for white supremacy to show its angry head again for us to really look at it in its face Mm -hmm. and to also i think pay attention to police brutality again like we are discussing policing in america like never before absolutely in my lifetime yeah my lifetime yeah been a long it's been decades since i think we've had this really critical and it feels like urgent reckoning Mm -hmm. for a conversation about race and for a change in policing and in gun violence all of those things combined and and the way our biases are just perpetuating and our policies Mm -hmm. and our policies are perpetuating these horrifying realities that ultimately wind up pushing down to impact everyone you know it fractures all whole communities so deep breath there (laughs) and right you talked so much right there Huh. I know, man. I can, I can take it really, back. You know, can... he really went off there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so funny editing. It's just gonna be like at least two straight minutes of Jackie talking. But hey, we love that. Jackie's been told that she has a great podcast voice, so please go on, Jackie. Take your sip of water and. <clears throat> give give the people what they want anyway uh, that was just me saying yeah what, what I thought yeah was why Angel and I wanted to have this conversation but I guess I, I I'll let you Angela why why do why are we having this conversation why did you want to talk about this why do you think we're talking about this? well I think it's um like you said we're talking about police brutality policing in America, white supremacy, racism in a way that we've never talked about before in a way that for me feels really impossible to ignore. 
Like in the past when <clears throat> we grew up learning that you should treat people equally, treat everyone the same, color doesn't, doesn't mean anything, you know, color blindness and things like that. I think it was easier to just, you know, turn a blind eye to racism, even if you knew that it was something that was a real thing and you learned about it intellectually, I feel like it was just much easier to ignore. And now these conversations are no longer ignorable in, in my mind's eye. <laughs> um, yeah, not like it was yeah. ever acceptable for it to be quote unquote ig- ignorable, but that was the that was the ex, no that was the norm no it was yeah but it's not acceptable it's not it's yeah. not acceptable at this and, point it's like willfully being willful ignorance to not you know especially in the time that we're growing up in with all of this information at your fingertips it's it's unacceptable again to information. Yes. It's really unacceptable. I think to be ignorant to what is going on with policing in America and to say, and to deny that there's any issue with it, to not be enraged by it, to not be exasperated by, by it, by the headlines, by the news, um, by the number of names that we, have to say and hashtag I mean it's unacceptable to not have these conversations with people in your lives with yourself in in essence I want to talk about this because it's it's personal to me because I have people uh in my very close circle that are a part of these systems of oppression and I also it just like I don't know it just like matters to me like I'm a people person. I'm a a person that like really gives a shit about justice and fairness. And I think this is all really. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Not. Yeah. You're touching at the, I can feel you just there touching at the human, you know, relational pain there. Just it's, it's, you know, it, it makes you emotional. Mm. And I can't imagine what it is like to be a black person in America and see this happening. I can't. Yeah. And my, I'm, it, I'm going to do anything I can to put my body in front of their body mm-hmm. before anything happens like that in front of me. You know, it's, it's horrible. And to see it all the time is just heartbreaking. And you feel also outraged because you feel like it's so preventable. Such a tragic, meaningless death. Like so preventable in so many, so many, so many cases. Almost every single instance. Yeah. It blows your mind. My, you know, that's, that's, that's how it makes me feel most of the time. Um, all of that and more doesn't even touch upon it, you know. I guess it makes me wonder how desensitized certain people must be 
to not be enraged by what is going on, like not be saddened by literal children at this point being killed by yeah. Yeah. those that are supposed to right. protect and serve communities. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, I and like bring in the stats here, um, but well, you know, black and brown communities are are yeah. not really protected. I think they're just policed. Uh, police brutality, police violence is a leading cause of death for young men in the United States. This is according to the ACLU. This is according to Everytown, Giffords, United Census Bureau. All, all public reports, all, all of this information, anything to follow. And I'll try and cite specifically, you know, throughout as it comes up in the conversation. But over the average life course, about one in every 1,000 Black men can expect to be killed by police. And generally, the, the risk of being killed by police peaks between the ages of 20 to 25 years old. So that's the average. And obviously what we've been seeing is it, it's supposed to be abnormal. Mm-hmm. What, what we've been seeing with Tamir Rice. Right. With Mike Brown. With all these teenagers mm-hmm. being killed. With Trayvon Martin. Just with Micaiah Bryant. Mhm. Mhm. It's you know it's ex- it's it's always it's always it's awful. Just these are people who haven't even had the chance yeah to experience so much to realize all of their potential and their dreams and Really, most often, um, over, I don't know what, not, not a gun, though. I mean, most oftentimes, right? Okay, a lot of the conversation, um, I don't know, like, what do, what do people usually say? What is the conversation, like the argument, right, when, in the, that you're having on the day-to-day, um, for, for example? when this, when the conversation about police brutality and these deaths, all of these deaths being filmed, George Floyd comes up. Well, what are you saying? Like, what are the arguments for why? Yeah. Like the justification, basically. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you what the justification was for George Floyd. I think. No, obviously there is, there's no justification. There's, there's no, there's no justification for but that. I mean, I know that people might say the police officer was scared. Yeah, I mean, there there's a ton of things like oh, you, like you In don't fear of their life. you don't understand, right? Like you you're not a police officer, like you couldn't possibly understand the stress response that like they're going through, and oh, like the people heckling the police officer, you know, made him act a certain way, and and so and so is a threat. Like I can't even remember his name now, but 
he was getting out of his car and was shot getting out of his car and people said oh well he could have had a weapon he could have had a gun you don't know in the news they've they've talked about well why why are people being shot at you know why not a forearm why not a leg why not just try to disarm these these people that are considered threats why not just shoot them in that way <laughs> and their perspective is that it's actually dangerous to aim for a forearm or a leg because if you miss, you risk shooting like a civilian. So better to shoot like the largest part of a human being. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, essentially, uh, does that mean that you're just training to kill folks? I'm does getting that- heated. I'm getting mad just <laughs> listening to you theoretically. <laughs> Is that what you're this. saying? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay, I know that. Yeah, you did exactly. You did. You, you, yes. You answered my my question, right? That I posed to you. Like, what would people say? Yeah. And I'm like heated as if you're a stranger right now. I'm like, God, God, yo, that shit. (laughs) Fuck, like, you make me so mad. Okay. (laughs) Yes, like, wow. All right. Breather. Angela. (sighs) I love you. Thank you. Oh, I love you too. You're welcome. Just a regroup moment. Yeah, yeah, let's reground. Yeah, a reground. So, because we're talking about real people, that I just get, you know, I just get upset. I'm getting, you know, that because that really is the core of the conversation. Like, how can you see this and just not say we need change? But okay, right. The I at there, right at that. I feel if I take a breather at that core argument, I also feel, you know, somebody who is married to a police officer might say some of what you just said and on, on, right, on behalf of what others might say and <laughs> complicated. Yeah. That's concern as well, right? For someone's life. But the reality is 95% of deaths of civilian causes by police force or with a firearm and only 5% are without, like in those cases, horrible, where George Floyd is literally yeah. killed barbarically yeah. with a knee. What I wanted to point out was that an unarmed black civilian is nearly five times as likely to be shot and killed by police than an unarmed white civilian. Got it. That's from the Giffords Foundation. An unarmed unarmed Mm -hmm. black civilian is nearly five times as likely to be shot and killed by police than an unarmed white civilian. Yeah. I think it's even more outrageous when you think about the number of armed white men who have gone, gone unharmed Holy shit. By police. They've, you know, apprehended them 
without any any sort of uh, treatment. They don't even keep them around. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be advocating for that. I'm not. If it sounds, you know, that's not great to be, you know, and I know I get it not to be a 90s era Elliot Stabler. It's not kosher now. I get it. You can't just beat up the suspect in the interview room. But God, yeah, nobody wanted to kick in the head of Dylan Roof. You're just going to take him in? What the fuck? What is... Sorry. The po- oh. Like, the point is that, like, black people, people yes. of color, should be given... That's the point. ...the same treatment that the these point. white shoot- Equitable shooters are, are receiving. You know, and... Uh, so, what? every year police in the United States shoot and kill more than 1,000 people. Every single year, police officers in America shoot and kill more than 1,000 people. This is not okay. Like, this is not okay. Like, what? You know, being shot for maybe many reasons, but it's a very high number. Extremely high. Okay, how many of those people are murderers and people who are, are have guns with them and are really a truly very much imminent threat that need to be killed? So much gun violence in the United States, right, that you're pointing out. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's many subsections of it. Mm-hmm, right. You know, there's, we got our fucking insane white supremacist mass shooters mm-hmm. we have you know uh, some other just begrudged racial biases sometimes mm-hmm. uh, uh sometimes against sexual our sexual freedom here in america against the transgender community yes gun violence against the lgbtq plus community there's domestic gun, gun violence also a huge problem in the United States. And there is police gun violence as well. Huge. Yeah. And there's, you know, a subsection also terrible of young kids getting guns on the street and using them to kill each other. Yeah. It's all awful. There's so much of it. I just, it's like I'm describing a terrible, macabre high school cafeteria. These are the burnouts. These are the region. Yeah, that's how fucking twisted it is in this country. So it happens, uh, you know, it's, it's a commonality. And what's tragic is, you know, some of it is happening at the hands of people who we use you know our taxpayer funded dollars to use them to become our guardians right Mm. to protect our community but they're part of this gun violence statistic yeah so according to every town the combination of systemic racism white supremacy america's gun culture and the militarization 
of the police is toxic in this country. And obviously, as we we said, black people in particular, they pay the price. Mm-hmm. So despite that, in 99% of fatal shootings, since 2013, the officer has not been charged with a crime. 99%. The officer is not charged with a crime. Even though 95% of deaths of civilian causes by police are with a firearm. 5% are without, as I said before. Black men are two and a half times more likely to be killed by police over the life course than a white man. Black women are about almost one and a half times more likely to be killed by police than you and me, white Mm -hmm. women. One and a half times more likely. Mm -hmm. Young black men and boys are 21 times more likely to be shot in their interactions with law enforcement than young white men and boys. So like you're caught with pop or you're pulled over during a DWI. Mm-hmm. That, the chances of that encounter, which to me, right, almost sounds casual. Yeah. Right, for a white person. Right. Like, it, it's almost an inconvenience probably most of the time when a white person gets pulled over. Totally. I can imagine a drunk guy being like, oh, man, I gotta get on my dinner. Like, what the hell? You know, officer, <laughs> come on. Yeah, yeah, I'm part of the golf club. You know, Andy. I uh, yeah, I, I used to train with his kid. Gets let off. Mm. That can become a lethal interaction. Twenty-one times more likely mm-hmm. to instead be chatting about your connections at the golf course, have your face shoved into the pavement. 21 times more likely that the interaction will turn out that way. I just think like there are so, and yet there are so many arguments for why this behavior is justified, why the training is the way that it is, why uh, it's, it's mental health. It's not, it's not guns that are the problem. Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, right. We talked about like, maybe at the core, it's just like the protection of officers. It's horrible. It's horrible. But the chances are lower. 264 police officers were killed in the line of duty in 2020. I mean, it's a lot. It's Mm -hmm. discouraging. It is an increase from the previous year, but it's less than the 1,000 people who are killed by guns, by officers every single year. Did that stat tell you what, uh, how those officers were, were killed? Yeah. Yeah, there's some 
there's some stats. So according to the Memorial Fund, which puts out a report, they, they take statistics on gun-related deaths involving officers. Mm-hmm. And the report says gun-related deaths claimed the lives of 48 officers last year. A 6% decline compared to 51 officers killed in gun-related incidents in 2019. Interesting. Of the 48 officer gun-related deaths, 11 fatalities involved an officer investigating a suspicious person or activity. Okay. Seven officers were killed responding to domestic disturbance calls. Those are extremely violent. Those Mm -hmm. are, I mean, extremely dangerous, pardon me, calls and volatile, I've heard. Six deaths each involving officers attempting an arrest and an ambush on the officers. Mm. Three deaths were tactical situations and three others were in response to domestic disturbance calls. Four officers died responding to a robbery or burglary in progress call, while three officers were killed during traffic stops. It's I, horrible. Every statistic yeah. relays a life. And I cannot imagine the risk of, you know, one of these things that I'm sure seems trivial and a very normal call turning into a call that takes your life. That's horrible. These numbers are so, and I'm, you know, it's not, it's not to compare, but it is, these are the, these are the facts. These are just the facts of the risks and they're all horrible. And I have heard about a lot, a lot of these, and these are the fears that I hear, of course, relayed by love people who have loved ones in, in the course and, and myself as well. You know, I understand these risks because I, I know officers and officers I'm extremely fond of great people. And it's scary to think of them being killed in these incidents. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is. It's really scary. And it does happen as I just read. But it's it is rare. Okay. It is rare. It's not. Um, but it it does happen and it has statistically apparently been happening more, according to the this report. Mm. Records show though that 1930 was actually the deadliest year for officers. Wow. In the United States, when 307 officers were killed in the line of duty. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah. Oh, I am comparing it to the 1,000 lives. I mean, these are all lives lost, and it, it really, like, doesn't need to be this way from where I'm sitting but no it doesn't there's uh... no it it doesn't okay so i agree i that's part of what makes it so maddening right i agree i don't think it has to be that way when i see some of these videos right i a person with no law enforcement training though sorry but i i think i and many others and you can speak for yourself but I see that there was another way that situation could have been handled. Yeah, with Micaiah Bryant for sure. Um, with almost every single. There's always another way. There's every single option. incident 
every I've did not have to go down that way did not did not yeah absolutely hard there was another way and I don't like I don't know what I'm in I'm like in a place right now where I'm like what would you what would the police officers need to hear what would the let's say like the blue lives matter crowd need need to hear in order for them to understand like what like what all this means okay it doesn't yeah it doesn't have to be this way there can be a way where we can have we can all go to sleep at night knowing that our I think our loved one is safe right even if they find themselves in trouble yeah that would be really comforting so I mean that's what we all want there there can be reform like that it feels so good to talk a little hopeful I don't want to get my hopes up too much because it's not our reality yet but I think the conversation is veering towards police reform and I think there is hope in that Um, so one study, one 2016 study of 91 large police departments in the United States found adaptation of use of force reform policies. So reform, reforming the use of force policies, such as the exhaustion of other means prior to shooting, bans on chokeholds and strangleholds, use of force continuum as in the continuum of other options, de-escalation, duty to intervene, restrictions on police shooting at moving vehicles. That could certainly, that's a great policy. They're all, all great. And warning before shooting. Okay, that one, so it sounds so simple and I, I certainly didn't hear that. I I did I didn't hear that in the Makai Bryant video. Did was she even warned that there was a gun pointed at her that she might be shot for her actions? That there this was a life or death situation all of a sudden. I think it amounted to all of eleven seconds that entire interaction. Something like that. Something outrageous, really. How can you decide to take someone's life in eleven seconds? Seconds, yeah. So that sound that to me sounds so practical, such a practical, applicable, a very small reform. Okay. So ninety-one large police departments that implemented one or all of these things was associated with fewer people killed by police. A win-win for everyone, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's, that's yeah. great to me. Yeah, like More that sounds alive? great. Hell yeah, let's do that. Like let's at the more. very least, let's everyone at least let's everyone do all all of this. Not just ninety-one large police departments, all of them. Yeah, there's no okay, like, at the very no least uniformity. There's no the continuum here to increase accountability, at least from every town using an accumulation of other studies on that recommend reforms for gun violence. Mm -hmm. They recommend a commitment to de-escalation 
and building community relationships through procedural justice. Procedural justice. I wonder yes. what the definition of that is. Yes, yes. The best use of force policy reforms are those that reduce the perceived need to use force in the first place. Mm. It sounds a lot like some of the, what I just talked about, other, many other options. Mm. When police engage in regular, meaningful community outreach and value efforts that support community trust, they become, in the words of the 21st century policing task force, quote, guardians of the community and not warriors patrolling it. Specific instruction that assists in this transformation of mindset and practice includes de-escalation and procedural justice trainings. For example, one day procedural justice training in the Chicago Police Department reduced misconduct complaints by 10% and use of force by 6% over the following two years. Another study of mental health de-escalation training implemented in six jurisdictions found that it had significant impact on the degree with which use of force was used by police as well. And agencies in general should limit confrontations that can lead to excessive force. I'll repeat that. So basically officers should limit confrontations that can lead to excessive force. If it can lead to excessive force, you should really you know, back up and find another way. Expanding alternative dispatch tools that include non-law enforcement personnel best positioned to help people in crisis connect with the social services they need. Beautiful. Social Hiya Bryant was a foster, was a, in foster care. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you could have brought, brought in some social workers. Trying yeah. to God, for God's fucking sake. A case manager. Someone. Someone else. That, that child had other resources. The best use of force police reforms are those that reduce the perceived need to use force in the first place. Yes. Also agree with that as well. Like just avoiding everything. Um, all of all of that, yeah, all great recommendations. Um, so, yeah. like, what's what's in the way of 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 these like wides being widespread implementations? Is it like police unions? Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that would be that's that's Probably. as I using my understanding as a journalist. And my general research that would, and life experiences, I do get that. I get that um, inclination that police yeah, unions sounds- are are resistant to it, and that a lot of them, you know, might be resistant to it because their membership is resistant to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe some officers find it offensive. I think. Maybe there has to be more outreach to police directly. But I can tell you that the police force that I report on, which is extremely small, unfortunately, and mostly police is a largely white community, wealthy mm-hmm. community. Sure, the police off, but the police chief there is great. He's great. But it's a small community. You know what? In some ways, I wish he were a, a chief in a large city, a very diverse city, because... Yeah. I think they could really use his temperament 
his advisement, he embraces these reforms and more. And he embraces conversation like this. He embraces, they just went through a very rigorous police and criminal justice reform and reinvention process, trying to pick apart all of their policies and procedures and find ways to improve and make it more equitable in delivering justice to everyone and delivering peaceful quality of life to everyone. Yeah, I think you, I would hope that, yeah, if he, if he were a police chief in, you know, a place like Newark, that um, he would would be just as gung-ho for picking apart and interrogating all of that. Yeah, that's what we need. We need, Um, we need, I think, leadership to embrace it. I don't know what it'll take. I think you just need to care about people. Yeah, I think well, you need to care about like it. You know, I could see s- someone like a police chief that, at first glance, appears very open to reform and you know these policies and things because he cares about his community. Maybe his community is, um, you know, one that doesn't give give him much trouble, a docile community, wealthy, has the resources already. They're, they're, you know, they're not a a nuisance, nothing to, to police. Right. So yeah, of course, let's, let's do that. Like, I I love my community. I don't know. I imagine there are police chiefs that would not be so, so quick to be like, yeah, let me, let me serve my community in this way by interrogating our policy. But it reduces deaths for everyone. It's a win-win. Yeah, dude, like it makes it makes all the sense in the world to my brain and my ears. I'm like, why would you object? Why would why would your membership not want this if it means that less lives are lost? And that probably means that your reputation as a hero, as a guardian, will stay intact. Because I know that there's been a lot of, you know. Uh, animosity towards the police a lot of oh police violence hurts the whole community yeah Yeah, not just and and it emanates from the victim and beyond it's ripple effect in a koi pond Mm -hmm. it hurts everyone ultimately violent encounters with the police have profound impacts in general according to a lot of these studies on health on neighborhoods, on life choices, chances, politics. Patterns of police violence, according to every town, dramatically reduce public confidence in police in general. And it leads community members to see them as part of the problem and less likely to call 911 or the police in case of a real emergency. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reality. And that's not good either. That's not a good statistic for police officers. No. So I don't know. I don't know what it will take. I don't know if it can really be reformed. I don't know. I really don't know. I would like to be hopeful. I'd like to be hopeful. And <laughs> I, I really do. Um, I'd like, yeah. I feel heartened by um 
It's hard to say that actually. It's kind of hard to say that I feel hardened right now with the reality of just um, everything that that's happened. Um, but I do want to try and find a bright spot in the fact that a lot of it, this conversation is happening. I feel um, really inspired by all of the action and conversation and um, yes, act, just activation I see in the communities and in the country right now, I think all yeah. over. And like we said, when we started this conversation, a movement like that has not been seen like this, this national conversation, this reckoning on national scale. It's not happened in a long time. Mm-hmm. I think it can only be a good thing to want your country to improve. Yeah. What we want is improvement. Yeah. Well, we just want we just want improvement. I think that's a great thing to want for your country. I think that's really patriotic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a nice vantage point. You got your uh not your rose colored glasses. We'll call them like yeah. <laughs> red, yeah. white, and blue glasses on right now. Yeah. Looking at looking at this the state of things. <clears throat> but yeah. And if that can convince someone to be a little more open to seeing this as not just a fruitless critique this is not just us being closed-minded and pick picking on a group of people this is not an attack this is a conversation yeah. with fact with information i can never dispute fact fact is non not partisan at all it is something everyone can agree on mm-hmm. like how delicious fried chicken is Mm, someone's the vegan. An indispu- it's an indisputable oh. fact you know fact is fact all right so <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was trying to find a loophole to the fried chicken don't try i mean someone's gotta be out there that does like <laughs> anyway i get what you're saying though you make all valid points and um <laughs> dolly parton then <laughs> everyone can love dolly parton uh, yeah. yeah yeah yeah. or potatoes yeah oh i love potatoes there we go we found one making me hungry good yum yeah well i'm hung- i'm hungry for the con- thing we can all agree on yeah yeah, yeah um, i'm hungry for the conversation nice yeah nice, nice one right 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 yeah, um, I agree. I, I'm happy that um, cool. It's a it's a disruptive conversation. I like this. I like things to be like jostled around. Yeah. Because. Uh, yeah, that that's how that's how uh, change happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I hope one person, maybe one person, will be convinced that it's just a con. That maybe. Yeah. I could do this about. No, it doesn't sound so bad. I could do this about my own line of work. There's there's so much to critique in in the mental health counseling field. So I'm not not coming for police. This, this is just this is like so many systems are worth reform. Reform. Reform is great. Reform, reform yeah. is great. Progressive policy is great. Okay, we love you. Peace we love, love you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Uh, check the links for resources in. The uh, podcast notes. We'll call it that. Yeah. Yes. Bingo. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.
Bye. Peace. That's all for us today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Let's Talk Life. You can like and follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Life and subscribe most places where you find your favorite podcasts. Let's Talk Life is produced by Jackie and Angela with editing and sound design by Angela. See you all next time. Thank you.